Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. How's it going? Just chilling. Yeah, I mean, for a Sunday morning, <laughs> there's not much else you can do. I know. I've it's the dressing gown episode. It is. Said We're both in matching grey um, robes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is our first Sunday morning. Um, podcast so maybe the vibe will be more chill or who knows <laughs> maybe yeah so what have you been um getting up to oh, what have I been getting up to um not a whole lot it's that thing of like when you try to think what you've done oh I'm so bad at that it's... when people ask me I have no idea um yeah, not loads, just chilling, um, trying to like just feng shui and make mm. my make my home a bit nicer because I think we're gonna be spending lots of time at home. <laughs> that mainly. How about you? Um, yeah, just trying to tidy up, organize all my little bits and bobs. Um, what else? Oh, so my passports run out. And um it ran out like a month ago, last month, and I have needed to renew it. And oh, I don't know if you've ever seen my passport photos. My <laughs> last... <laughs> I've definitely seen some like, older ones. You've seen them. Um, <laughs> the last two, bearing in mind my last, the one that's just expired, I had for 10 years. And then the one before that, Obviously, like I was a teenager slash child, um, and those cheeks couldn't hide themselves. Oh, God, <laughs> they were just really ugly pictures of me. They were just really, really bad. I don't think and anyone I'm not looks exaggerating, nice with like a one straight time I went face. To Spain and no, but I just look. Re- I think also the both the pictures for some reason came out really dark and really gloomy. So you know when it like. <laughs> I think you remember these pictures because you're laughing way too hard. <laughs> anyway, like it, so when you went to Spain, what happened? Um, yeah, so the customs officer looked at me and laughed on one occasion, <laughs> and I was just like, "Yeah, mate, like I know that I know it's really bad." <laughs> um, I didn't say that. It but looks like it was... a mugshot, is what I would describe it. Like you look like you're really. Uh, not happy uh, it looks like a mugshot in a dark room mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have um, you seen those passport photos where like when it's been applied to the page like the picture gets stretched so it doesn't look like someone's face like I think something happens in that process <laughs> no I haven't seen those so yeah so, because you can apply for your passport digitally mm-hmm. now, for those who haven't done it in a while. Um, so you can take your own picture. And I was like, right. They give you guidelines on, you yeah. know, plain background, well lit, natural lighting, no expression, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, right, I can take my own picture. Um, because the last time I got my picture done, no word of a lie, I actually went round the corner at my parents. There was like this little like photographer he had his own shop so I actually got my picture professionally taken and they still came out rubbish (laughs) but this time yes I did it myself so I like I was like right I'm gonna like do my hair hence why it's slick back now and I'm gonna like do my makeup 
did the lot lip gloss eyeshadow liner falsies I was like I need to just look yeah it's not that I look like I'm going to a gala yeah (laughs) or a club in the photo but I just tried to look as polished as possible like it um so there's now all these headshots of me on my phone (laughs) I should screenshot the like all the pictures that I took um yeah so I took the picture and they came out okay you know there's only so many times you can look at the similar pictures of your own face yeah where they just all blur into one and then it starts to be like do I look like that I look a bit weird yeah (laughs) because yeah you can't look at your face for too long (laughs) yeah so I've done it I've applied for it I've uploaded the photo and whatever um this is a big moment within four weeks I should get the new one back Mm, pray for me Oh well, yeah. I I hope it I hope it's an improvement on um the previous one. Well, I'm gonna have this until I'm 38, so <laughs> <laughs> I really need the passport office to pull through if they need to <laughs> if they need to Photoshop my photo. I give them permission to. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. that's amazing yeah oh gosh. So that's maybe my, my passport's up for a new i need to check that then yeah check because i want to go to switzerland my sister lives out there and she's got a new baby oh, and i want to go doing? and see her oh how's she doing oh yeah she's she's doing all right obviously she had to have the baby um just her and her fiance mm-hmm. so it was a bit of a lonely time for her although switzerland is nowhere near locked down as here or anything um, but at the time you can have like a limited number of people in the um in the room with you and obviously all her family being here and us mm-hmm. unable to travel over there meant that the run-up to her pregnancy was just a bit lonely for her but my dad and my brother's been out there they've seen her she re- like my dad's like obsessed with this baby uh... obviously um yeah she's really beautiful so i want to go and yeah amazing mm-hmm. incredible oh amazing right well, I don't know what episode this is, but what is your fashion story? It's, for- <laughs> it's 14. Um, Lovely. Um, yeah, what's your fashion story this week? My fashion story is obviously fashion weeks, plural, have been going on. And I saw um, it was Fendi's show and it's like the last women's wear show before what's his face um Mm -hmm. kim jones starts designing for it so i think it's what's her name like sylvia Sylvia yeah bendy the show is pretty much my fashion story it was beautiful honestly have you seen it i've seen the setting i haven't seen all the photos but like it was a really private like intimate show that i know that she put on Mm. um and the pictures that i've seen look great yeah it was in a in a nugget it was like imagine you're an old lady in her 70s or 80s and stuff and you just your house is full of doilies and like knitted things yeah this is just like your aesthetic you know oh my god amazing (laughs) it was really really nice and um it was like there were some of the shirts and blouses and dresses had prints of like Imagine sitting in a room and there's these big windows and the sun is setting and you get like the silhouette of like trees through Mm. the window. It was like screen printing of that. Wow. Um, And it was, it really did for me harken back to the, we've been at home for so long and spent so much time indoors. And it Mm -hmm. was that like, you know, it reminded me of doilies and stuff that you find at your grand's house and yeah. by the window and looking out at the world outside. And yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was great. Oh, and like a really classy way for her to finish mm. her, her reign. Ah, lovely. Mm. Well, um, yeah. as usual, we'll post any um, What's yours? pictures on Instagram. 
for for me, it's a similar thing of fashion shows and it being fashion week. And I don't know if you've seen any pictures of the Machino or Moschino show um, that Jeremy Scott put on. And it's like all no, done on Barbies. Have. They're all like puppet Barbies. Oh, is it kind of like Dior Couture? Like on the dolls type-ish. But like, but obviously with a Jeremy Scott twist and it's Mm. puppets and obviously all the clothes have been made um, to fit a Barbie and the audience looks like, well, our Barbies and one looks like Anna Wintour. Like they look like different people. It's it's really cool. It's really cool. I know that a lot of fashion labels do kind of, I think um, it was Christopher Kane where he would have one look from every show made up to be a Barbie outfit so he could have like Barbies that represented his shows. Mm. But um, And I think a few designers often do that kind of a thing. But yeah, it, it's really cool. It's really like the, sh- the clothes are like so-so in my opinion, but the execution and the idea is so- okay so cool mm. um but yeah so that is that has gone just flew under my radar to be honest um yeah. it totally I, flew under mine to be honest until this morning when I was trying to find the story <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just transparency <laughs> yeah yeah I mean last minute it's fine um I'm just googling it now Vogue Runway has pictures yes yeah they are more puppet because when you when you think of barbies and you think of jeremy scott and obviously you think of moschino it's Mm. so barbie like yeah in the fakest most like las vegas hollywood la type plastic version exactly but this is a little bit more like demure as puppets yeah yeah Um, it's really cool really cool and this is not normally not normally the sort of clothes that we see Moschino come out with. Not for a while, anyway. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I just think it's kind of... We've talked about this a few times in different episodes, but this is a time to kind of really be creative. Like, it's mm. supposedly a creative industry. Mm. And I've really enjoyed seeing the different outputs that people have done. And maybe once Fashion Week's over, we can do a little summary of our of our favourite shows, kind of how yeah. we did yeah um because there's some really cool there's some really cool ideas coming out there of how to put on a show there are it's some people well some fashion houses are just having their staff attend mm. the show and too which right. is nice as well yeah yeah to enjoy their hard work exactly exactly and then this puppet thing i think is great mm. and then some people are just completely doing kind of a digital video yeah, or like, like just a social distanced, like very private facing. Mm. Like it, it's, I don't know, it's maybe making like, it could be bringing back that exclusive fashion world again. You know how like, yeah, it was way more private before. Mm. I don't know, but that raises the question, is that a good or a bad thing? Who knows? I don't know. It's a, di- it's a different topic for a different, different time, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, because this week our topic is we're going to discuss our different paths of how we ended up working in fashion. Mm. And I think we have very different paths on how we led there. And also mm-hmm. we work in different departments. So it, naturally it will be different. Yeah. Um, but I guess we hope that it's kind of, if you're interested in getting into fashion, it shows you that there's more than one way Mm. of getting into it, but also just gives you an idea of a realistic path of um, how people did it. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Go ahead, Mim. We interrupt this broadcast to remind you, go follow us on Instagram, starloversubstancepod, shoot us an email, starloversubstancepeak at gmail.com, find us on YouTube, find us on Twitter, we've got all the links on our Instagram, you know what to do.
Um, I always find it weird talking about how I worked in fashion and what I do. I don't know why. It feels so cringe because I think... It does feel really cringe. And it feels like, oh my God, like you so... Everyone wants to be where I am. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we're not sitting here being like, we are the CFOs or the the creative director of blah, blah. Or, you know, we're the... Like we're up... Yeah, top dog of some fashion house or retailer or whatever not at all we're just pretty normal um regular joes regular joes in the middle um somewhere in the middle um so it's not from a position of if you want to be like me this is what you have to do it's just more like this is just realistically how people get into roles such as and an industry that is notoriously hard to get into it's it's not yeah like we're not trying to be um praising ourselves that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) exactly um okay so for me I I know it sounds really corny but I always really loved clothes and fashion and watching all of that stuff on tv and looking in magazines and just like like for me, okay, so I studied at university nothing to do with fashion. Mm-hmm. I studied modern languages. And a way that I learned to read in Spanish and Portuguese is I used to buy the Gracias mm-hmm. and the Cosmopolitans and all of that in that language. And I would just, I would learn about, you know, like the word for blouse and, you know, just stuff yeah. that to me was relevant to my interest I would sit there and read these magazines and that's how I learned these languages well that's how I learned primarily to like read them um because I wasn't about to read a whole novel it just you know whatever (laughs) um I take it back I yeah as like even a child like I was just interested in fashion and things and for people who know my mum my mum is a very glamorous person my mum loves glitz she loves Shout out to Mim's mum. Yeah. <laughs> so I was surrounded by someone who appreciated clothes. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, just like both of us, we'd always been interested in art and design. And I think we just carried that sense of like creativity with us as we grew older. But I just started working on the shop floor as like a sales associate and I didn't pursue a career in fashion so much as that I knew I could work in shops. And so I just got jobs in shops like that. Worked on the high street and then I worked in like a premium high street brand. And then I worked in um, a luxury um, brand actually in Spain. And then I came back and started working in luxury department stores. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that's how you kind of, one thing is, once you work for a luxury brand you're able to work for more luxury brands does that make sense yeah like you can stay in that tier of fashion once you've broken into it I think for my experience and you would probably say for your experience if you work for just a kind of contemporary brand or a high street brand or whatever the demands are probably different to when you work in luxury yeah and when you you for a luxury brand they want to know that you've you have already worked in luxury so the easiest way to do that from my point of view was to work in a department store because you could work for um you could work for top shop mm-hmm. it would be top shop in selfridges and that's how you maneuver your way into luxury fashion yeah everyone knows selfridges and everyone's no one's going to dispute that you know how to serve to a clientele which is more affluent, more demanding, more this and more that. So that's my first experience is like once you get into luxury, mm-hmm. you can stay in that level. But it, it is definitely something that brands will take on, whether you're more of a high street girl or not. And there's nothing wrong with either, to be honest. No. Working in luxury does not mean you're going to get paid more, does not mean you're going to get more benefits, does mm-hmm. not mean any of these things. Um, 
but there is it really just depends on your personal appreciation for the design and for mm-hmm. the fashion house and things like that you're gonna say yeah. something I thought you were gonna no say no <laughs> <laughs> um so that's kind of how I broke into the first like level I would say if I were to break up my career into things so then I worked for after having worked on the shop floor I was like I'm tired of the shop floor Mm -hmm. (laughs) I hate it here (laughs) (laughs) um because like you know for some people you you want to have like your weekends and things and you don't want to be working until like 10 o'clock during the summer because you work in Harrods and mm. the, you know the Middle Eastern clientele is in town so they the opening hours are longer and stuff you get to a point where you're like I don't want to do this schedule yeah. anymore and for me at the time I was also living outside of London so when I factored in my commute I was getting home at like 12 o'clock yeah so then I started working for an e-retailer like a website that has a lot of fashion brands a lot of luxury in particular Um, and did you find that it was your experience of working on a luxury shop floor and I guess as well the difference of maybe working in a top shop to working in a Selfridges is maybe you get a bit more responsibility working in a Selfridges with I guess um different stuff is that kind of maybe how that transition was enabled Hmm. when I when I left like shop yeah floor. yeah like because obviously that's like a bit a different a different kind of realm yeah. to go into I think what, what do you job, think helped you get that job the job that I went for was very it was it was to do with sales and it was to do with customers and customers orders and things like that and all those skills that I needed for that role I'd already acquired mm-hmm. on the okay, shop floor. Cool. It's like when you go for any job, you try to, you try to um, like tweak whatever you've yeah. done <laughs> to be like the most relevant experience ever oh. for that job that you're going for. Um, but it was literally, it, it was like doing the same job, but not walking around. They trained us how to do like the computer stuff. Fine. So that wasn't a problem. But what they were looking for from you is like really good communication and experience in experience with these sorts of brands and Mm -hmm. how to sell these sorts of brands and how to deal with these customers who expect a lot more customer service. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, if you shop in Topshop, you go in, you pick up what you want, you might ask a few questions, but you're not expecting like the world from your sales associate. And Whereas if, if they don't really come back to you, like, it's rude, but, like, you get over it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And, like, yeah. And everyone who works at Topshop is, like, early 20s. They're, yeah. like, in their 20s. And yeah, yeah. Whatever. And, um, but for, like, customers who are spending thousands on a website, they can't touch or see the actual product in real life. Um, and also they are shopping in boutiques who which are treating them like mm-hmm. the best they are gonna want a lot more attention or demand it not all people are horrible and snobby but just you know just comes with it if you're gonna spend a thousand thousand five hundred on a bag on a website you're gonna um expect a bit more mm-hmm. um so yeah anyway that was how I kind of like got into the office you know quote-unquote office <laughs> And kind of doing that luxury, being in the luxury world, but from an office perspective um, and learning a lot more about different types of brands and things. And then I, that's when I then moved into merchandising because it was like, okay, I have experience in logistics, in um, like online fraud, um, in stock obviously because we were taking care of people's orders, so stock levels and things. Mm-hmm. And that's what merchandising is pretty much about. It's about stock and it's about quantities. And the job that I went into was like entry-level merchandising. Yeah, so you, I could kind of spin certain skill sets to suit that. And it's like annoying because to get an office job, they it's like with everything, they want you to have worked in an office before mm-hmm. in some capacity. <laughs> 
So it's about it's about breaking down the sorts of skills you might need to move up and then see what job can give you that from where you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and then once you're in merchandising, you can decide merchandising and buying. They sit right next to each other. And if you work in merchandising or you work in buying, you can see what the other half do. Mm-hmm of experience what their roles are in comparison to yours and how that fits into a fashion brand as a whole yeah different brands are gonna divide up buying and merchandising in different ways like where I used to work it was called like inventory management it was an American company so they had like different terms for it and the buyers were a lot like merchandisers because the actual buying team like the procurement team were in America and Mm -hmm. they had a different role to the buyers who were in the UK. So like depending on which brand and which company you work for, these names are a little bit interchangeable and they're Mm -hmm. a little bit different and they're broken down in slightly different ways. But if you're in merchandising and you decide, you know what, I actually want to go into buying, you can make that transition if you, again, if you spin your skill set. Yeah. And into- also keep your your head, your ear to the ground of mm. observing what, you know, your team next to you are doing and understanding what, that you've got those skills, but they flip them in a different way, like you said. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. Yeah. So um, that is my career mm-hmm. so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not also one thing I should always say is like, okay, I didn't study a fashion degree or anything but I really don't think people understand just how many job roles are involved in fashion it really is like any other company forget about the clothes and the shoes and the bags and whatever you could be passionate about designer goods luxury fashion whatever or just high street fashion or you know but go and go and pursue an IT degree or go and pursue um an economics degree Mm. because economics is great for merchandising. It's great for finance. It's great for buying. These are all like roles that demand numbers Mm -hmm. and you could work in the IT department or you could be the one who, um, uh, merchandises the website because you know how to build websites and you know how to manage them. So, and that's like, you could be doing that for matches fashion, you know, mm-hmm. so you're really in the thick of the stuff that you like, but you don't have to be designing it. No. Most people aren't. So that is... Um, the that design is- departments tend to be the smallest departments. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's me. Anyway. Oh, very cool. What about you? Oh, um, so for those who are new... Um, I work in design um, and I probably had a much more traditional path if it's called that so from from a really young age I knew I wanted to be I thought a clothing designer but I'm an accessories designer so I knew I knew what what um, subjects I had to study I mean mm. predominantly it's mainly art but I knew I had to study art GCSE um and therefore obviously like take it um to a level I did an art foundation year because that's kind of what a lot of art schools or fashion schools expect or demand Mm. of you and I didn't need to use mine I ended up going to a university rather than like an art school um just wanting a more varied experience um do you think um sorry to cut you off but do you think that was a for you to go to a university and study design as opposed to go to an art school or a more or an institution which is more known for design and art and and you know creative arts whatever um was there a benefit or a negative to that there was probably a negative the reason that I wanted to was at at my art foundation I was just only obviously surrounded by art students Mm. and like 
bearing in mind a lot of my friends at school also studied art so it's not like I have a problem yeah there was a ton yeah (laughs) but I'm I'm like not that obsessed with art like it's not everything about me um Mm. I have loads of different interests like I love history I love talking about different stuff with people and I kind of found that that wasn't really necessarily something that everybody else was like that a lot of people Mm. did spend their entire spare time going to galleries or whatever and I was like no Mm. I don't do that like I also want to watch like a crime a crime documentary like all sorts yeah um so I kind of realized that I wanted to integrate with somebody doing an English degree a history degree a geography degree whatever and have that sort of experience and also subsequently my course was a bit more academic which I actually really enjoyed um okay in like what way so we had a longer dissertation we did like history of art and could also choose other credits um Mm -hmm. so it wasn't all just kind of like drawing as everyone thinks um (laughs) there were there were definitely some more um educational aspects to it that you could choose as well so I really enjoyed that I don't know how reputable where I went is for fashion like I don't know if that kind of cost me Mm -hmm. oh you didn't go to like LCF or Central St Martins or so-and-so school of art Mm -hmm. so we don't take that as more serious as seriously or not um I haven't found that but I think I'll explain why that I've never really I feel like I had to use many of my qualifications, which is quite sad. Um, but anyway, going back to my foundation, um, at the time, I really didn't enjoy it. So a foundation year is where you go and you experience different pathways of art. So there's graphics, there's animation, there's fashion, there's like fine art, and you kind of do like... I think maybe it was like two weeks on each rotation for the first term and then you choose what you're going to focus on and I already knew what I wanted to focus on so I was kind of like I know what I'm doing I know it's yeah let's get to it yeah Um, (laughs) and yeah I don't know it just kind of it was a very it was a weird situation where like I knew that I wanted to do fashion and I felt like I kind of was just waiting to kind of get there and then the second term it was good but like I didn't find it super inspiring or anything like that but then when I got to uni I was so far ahead of the people who hadn't done a foundation year because they hadn't ever had to do projects in the way that you have to at university Mm. and it really really helped that like that you have to put together a mood board that you have to like silly things that sound maybe like nothing but putting together a mood board showing your step from how you got to there to there um sourcing fabrics start like starting to sketch like illustrations and stuff like that some people had never even drawn a fashion render or sketch Mm. and so I kind of had already gone through how you format a project and write about it and all of that stuff um so in hindsight my foundation year was really really helpful um and a few people had done them but um yes that that definitely helped so then I studied um uh fashion design and then in I think our second year we could choose um a pathway of women's wear men's wear or knitwear and I wanted to do um maybe maybe it was only our final year. I don't know. I can't remember. I feel really old. Um <laughs> that was so long ago. Yeah. But I think we could choose. And we definitely got like marketed that if you did menswear, like there's few there's more jobs out there or like more people doing women's wear, less there's like less applicants, there, yeah. there's less competition and all of this kind of a thing. And so that really like appealed to me. And also I liked the independent way of I'm never going to wear that. So I'm purely only assessing it from like a design point of view and not would I wear that because there's Mm. probably a lot that I wouldn't wear or isn't my style. And 
I think it's really easy and I found like a lot of people at uni just wanted to design clothes that they would wear on a night out or whatever yeah and it's so it's funny that you said that actually because um sometimes when I look back at like stuff that I've done I think doing the least obvious path Mm. actually kind of helps you out for example when I said I was working for that website Mm -hmm. um I was I thought I was going to be on like the women's wear side of things and then they told us like we were put into groups whatever and they told us like us new lot we're going to be on the um like a completely different side it was like the more like the discount side of things and I was Mm -hmm. like what the I was like what the fuck I don't want to be there and then it ended up being that we learned skills and systems that no one else was learning Mm. at the time. Um, And then when I went, when I first started in like um, as an allocator, which is like entry level merchandising and I was put on the, I thought again that I was, I'd gone for like the women's wear, women's accessories and stuff side and then on my first day, I was told that I was actually going to be on men's. And I was like, am I going to be on men's forever? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, yes. And um, that it actually meant that I got to take on more departments. Because men's was smaller. Mm-hmm. I got to take on more departments, which did actually include some of women's. And other projects and other roles Mm. because I was doing like the quote-unquote less important men's side of things and so you end up being exposed to a side of like the business or whatever which is either no one else wants to do or not that many people are interested but you can really use it to your advantage definitely it's it's so much better don't do women's wear guys (laughs) (laughs) yeah well and also like so I think maybe four or five people in my year of uni out of or maybe it was more but we had like 60 people in my year and maybe like it was less than 10 did menswear Mm. basically Mm. so that was the proportion and it just meant a straight away you were doing something different to your friends Mm -hmm. comparisons not there um Mm -hmm. and I just I did I found it more interesting because it wasn't I don't know it was it was a new challenge it was a new challenge how Especially like if you think of a fashion sketch right now, it's so much easier to draw a woman than it is a man because you can do those hyper extended mm. legs. You can just do all of that stuff. But a guy mm. kind of has to look more realistic in a fashion. Like it's all of that stuff is so different. Um, and just try- and obviously mm. every project you try and find a different way to sketch. And I really enjoyed that side of things. Um weirdly lots of people like couldn't really draw that well on our degree whereas we came from a very fine art like art experience at school didn't Mm, we like we did a lot of like oil painting yeah and we had a very fine art like art experience whereas a lot of people maybe had done like textiles or photography whereas we Mm -hmm. had like come from a very purist um drawing background which yeah I was really grateful Mm -hmm. to sort of have because not many people could hand sketch their sketches and so that was quite nice sort of to be able to do a different thing that other people were doing yeah we were really lucky yeah we were really lucky actually with our our experience at school um and so yeah so then um you could sign up for basically doing an industrial year at university and the time old tale in fashion is you can't really be hired if you haven't got work experience Mm -hmm. But how do you get work experience, basically? Yeah. So most of our year did that. I would say 50 out of the 60 people did the industrial year. Um, so that would be a year off of the course where you intern. And I think you had to like intern or have fine work experience for basically like eight months of that year. I mm-hmm. guess like I guess like a uni sort of like schedule almost but you had to have a certain amount of days worth of work experience to pass it and do certain projects along the way and so I was trying to apply for internships and it was so hard it was really really hard because obviously like you search for an internship and you type in all like the proper fashion names you're like oh 
like yeah I could work there I could work there (laughs) you hear like you hear the rumors of like never go to McQueen you'll die if you go there um Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff And, and it was really hard to like even just hear back like the amount of emails I must have sent off and not heard back and then luckily our uni had a database of places other people had been and I I just applied to loads of different places on that database and a a place got back to me and they were such a small brand like obviously I'd never heard of them I'm not like I'm still not like the biggest fashion like I don't spend my time looking at loads of different people or independent brands like I love fashion but I also love other things Mm. But I hadn't heard of them and sort of went along for this interview and at this amazing studio. And like genuinely, like maybe two brands replied to me out of like 50. Yeah. Um, Because everyone else is also looking for Yeah, your whole year of not only your course, but lots Mm -hmm. of places do it. Yeah. Um, and my I, one thing that is a bit different when I was doing this you didn't have to pay interns there's now some legal requirements on stuff like that um mm-hmm. you didn't I think you could still get away with it if people are doing it for university you don't have to pay them but anyway um so there wasn't like a funding problem or anything like that so yeah I I went to an interview um and then like and in hindsight I'm gonna add what do you have to interview somebody about for an internship? <laughs> like this, <laughs> this internship. So at some companies I've worked, interns have had real responsibility. Okay. But this one was just kind of have like an office lackey. Um, mm. And it did grow into something because I stayed there for a long time. But a lot of time internships can be like one month or two months. Like you can't trust anybody or like teach them loads in that time. Yep. Um. So I was like, in hindsight, like going through my designs and my portfolio, like, oh my God, being so nervous. And at the end of the day, you're going to make me order like TNT and make tea for people Mm. and help box up stuff or like go on an errand. Like I'm not designing the new collection. Um, But yeah, so I got that internship and I was so pleased um so finished my second year and went and did that and I was there for six months and I really enjoyed it I experienced every department because it was such a small brand there were maybe eight people working there um so I helped out the design team I helped out the knitwear lady I helped out the pattern cutter I helped out the girl doing merchandising and the operations side of things. I helped out product development and making sure that the factory packs were ready. And I loved knowing and learning the whole process of the business. I felt Mm. like that was a really special thing to have witnessed and loved just knowing like the bigger picture and the biz, almost like the business format. Um, So I worked there for six months and then someone who I met at that at that placement and um, put me in touch with a knitwear company and I then went and worked with them for I think six months as well and I loved it there that was very much like I hadn't didn't really know how to knit or anything like that they taught me how to crochet on the premises and by the end I was helping crochet show pieces so it was a really cool experience there Mm. a very hands-on and you really felt like you were contributing and then um then I went back to my first placement to work there again because I just really enjoyed it and made really good friends there I can't remember what sort of things what sort of clothing did they make at the first one so the clothing the clothing was really cool but whilst I was there so it was very modern a bit like this gonna sound a bit (laughs) reverse but like a very upscale Zara maybe but like that sort of style where it's okay it's not super feminine there were some nice tailored pieces like it was it was very modern it wasn't I mean it more on like the clothes they put out it wasn't super girly like there was kind of like a classic element to it um, okay. yeah it was really it was very like um may menswear inspired actually um 
which was kind of why okay. I really liked working there. And their bags were very like menswear, military inspired. But then they dropped their clothing whilst I was there interning. And so mm-hmm. I then sort of learned more about the bags and wasn't like sad about the lack of the clothing. I can't think of if that happened the first time I was there or the second time. But so, yeah, I went back there to help at like sort of show times and all of that stuff. and then helped before I went back to uni and then basically they said any time that I'm back from uni to come and help them so I did that in my final year at Christmas I went back and helped them and all of that kind of a thing and then basically I went into my final year of uni knowing Mm. that I was going to have a job there so I was very very fortunate that they had basically offered me like unofficially they'd offered me and basically said just to like let them know and then right near the end of um uni they said basically that they'd um that there's a place for me to go back there um Mm. so I was really really fortunate in that regard like not it was quite unusual not many people on my course had that Uh, sorry I feel like I'm really rambling so apologies Um, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so that really really was like the main way I got I got into it was because of my work experience and having formed a connection with them. They'd never had an intern work there for that long, so they'd never seen that benefit. I loved the brand. I loved the people. I loved helping it grow. I was really invested. So yeah, I was really pleased to go back there. And I remember as well, um, I had said to them that I had wanted to go traveling at some point. I hadn't done that before university and wanted to do that after so I sort of let them know that I wanted to do that so I think I was like maybe a paid intern when I first went back it wasn't a firm job but I was a paid intern because they knew I wanted to go traveling Mm. Um, and they were really cool about it they kind of and let me let me work there until I wanted to go traveling so that must have been for about six seven months Mm -hmm. and then and then they basically told me there'd be a place for me once I was back from traveling. And like, I only went traveling for like three, four months. Like I wasn't gone for a year, but I remember their business advisor telling me, but when you come back and if you decide to come back to us, this is a really big decision you're making on choosing bags. Like you won't really be able to move back to close if you, if you stay here now, like, you're okay. kind of closing that door and I just remember thinking great <laughs> because clothing is so much more stressful than bags in so many ways it's just more components like just everything and as an intern it was so much nicer being a bag intern than a clothing okay. intern and um, mm, that's interesting to know but it was a really it, I really appreciated him pointing that out um Mm -hmm. and I I wouldn't say it closes the door for forever I definitely think if you wanted to move back over you could um because it it, the process is similar but obviously your knowledge grows on certain things yeah I was gonna say the more that you have experience with something else you understand the nuance of that product and I don't think I'd be able to change now yeah you don't have that same in detail knowledge of clothing although you know how to do stuff you're not going to have that edge over someone who is your kind of like equal exactly but what I what was great was that because I'd come from like a clothing pattern making and all of that stuff Mm. um that really helped in some ways that I had a different approach to somebody who'd maybe had the traditional because you can study accessories um but I was then just a sponge because I hadn't studied it I learned actually what it was like in a job which I think is so useful in times because Mm. it's like with school they teach you different things but nothing prepares you for what it's like in actual real life um so yeah I was so I learned so much from the factories I was so keen on learning that and then um my sort of second job in fashion came from knowing somebody it's that horrible cliche that I really resented um when I was first in fashion 
or trying to get there was it was that thing of you have to know somebody it's all about who you know and I was like well I know no one so that Mm. sucks um but yeah a woman that I'd worked with previous at my previous company and she'd moved on a few years before so I was at my first company for a long time um yeah she she was she was the the head of the department then and so she got in touch with me about it and that kind of was really really like how I've sort of negotiated things has been either somebody I know telling me about a position and mm. um, that they got alerted to it earlier um, than like it being released um, but yeah so it was quite like a traditional route and I was just really lucky that my internship hired me because it's really hard to get jobs <laughs> <laughs> do you but think that- it's hard to find design jobs or is it just hard to obtain them because there's so much competition of other people going for the same thing because for me I think there are there are quite a few merchandising mm-hmm. jobs out there I don't think there's really like people might have a different experience but there's loads of them out there it just depends on how much experience you have in order to get them. But with design, I don't know. It, it's it's hard with design because there aren't that many jobs because not many departments are that big. Mm. So, for example, if if a company grows, you don't necessarily grow your design team. You might have to design. You might have to. Yeah. Grow yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Buying team because there's more there's more product to deal with but um Mm. just because your product range grows doesn't mean your team necessarily grows much Mm -hmm. or like in the same proportion as maybe the business side yeah so there aren't that many fashion jobs and the kind of saying is if you if someone's in a good one people are quite reluctant to leave a good job yeah um and also it's it's really difficult because um it's like with the levels how you were saying with merchandising it depends on experience so the if i was looking for a job tomorrow there's maybe one or two out there okay that are the level that i am or would expect to go into um and there's probably a whole host of people who are obviously in their current job maybe unemployed all of this stuff vying for that job uh, which makes it really competitive and that's why it's so difficult and then obviously to get a job I feel like there's probably we should probably focus on that side of things um, another time Mm. but there's a lot of interview stages in that regard the higher up you go oh yeah jump through oh god um it drives me mad um (laughs) like my portfolio can show you everything so Mm. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but yeah so that's that's really tricky and also um kind of relating to what you said about the difference of luxury and non-luxury um if you change mm. from going to from luxury and you go to high street, it's very hard to return to luxury. So it's not like, oh, you've just worked for Alexander McQueen mm-hmm. and then you go, oh, and then I want to go work for Zara and then I'm going to try and apply for Chanel. That's not going to work. Mm. Like you kind of, what your trajectory has to stay in luxury and or on the high street yeah so it's very hard and then I think also there was like a, a distinction between luxury and like super brand yeah 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 there is this like you can work for a really well-known luxury brand but it is not like being at Chanel it no. is not like being at Dior it is not like being at god name another one fendi or something mm. and that's the same for even if you're working on the shop floor yeah, these yeah brands yeah. do not pick just anyone just anybody <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so yeah it's it's really difficult and obviously like that's kind of the aim i guess of anybody who works in like luxury yeah. is that you want that mm. um 
but yeah but it's it's really it's really difficult um because a lot of the time as well like for instance kim jones will most likely take some of his employees with him to to like to fendi oh i see Mm -hmm. so like that cuts some of like the job applications for stuff Mm -hmm. because it's like well i want to bring my team that i trust Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, with mm me yeah um so yeah it's it's a really tricky one it's a really really tricky one it definitely helps who you know but also it's it's a really small industry so you've got to make sure that you you leave a good reputation behind mm. um but yeah. yeah yeah so that was really interesting I knew some of your story and trajectory but it's like really interesting to hear your opinion on design as a whole and how to mm. get into it I hopefully that wasn't like us being depressing <laughs> about the jobs about the jobs that we've worked <laughs> oh no but also like I mean it's totally doable like it's totally doable um someone's got to get that job you know but yeah it's just like with everything it's like those who stick out for the longest get somewhere <laughs> and I think I but think yeah. you're a great example of if if you're not at managing I mean you weren't it's not like you were trying to do something and then thought no I'm gonna have to go that way around but there's there's nothing to say that people can't do that just because you're maybe not getting that design job that first design job try something else like I know that somebody who worked on the reception desk of like Anya Highmarch then ended up Mm. what like get you can get your foot in the door of a company in a different way like and Mm. nice companies like it's not a guarantee but nice companies if you say actually I'd really like to one day work in design they might not hire you for it but they could help you or give you some advice and say actually I know my friend over at so-and-so's wanting an intern like there's ways like try and get your foot in the door in whatever capacity Mm. I think is definitely worthwhile yeah I knew someone who was an executive assistant and then she moved into buying. And I just remember us being like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I don't know what her her education was or her experience or, you know, past experience or anything like that. You know, kudos to her. And it happens. It's just like, it's so varied. And the, like, what do they say? There's a million ways to like skin a cat. Yeah. It's like that in 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 fashion to be honest it is yes and also like don't get us wrong you could be a store manager and if you're working for the right brand they will send you on these trips Mm -hmm. they will send you abroad to meet other managers um you'll get like free stuff and goodies and like you'll get first dibs on like samples and bags and accessories and um you can get paid pretty well and things so it's not just about being in head office or being a designer yeah those managers and assistant managers in stores um or even like working in the logistics side of the business you can still do pretty well you know Mm -hmm. and enjoy a lot of the perks um, it's really about the brand that you work for, I think. Yeah. Um, I think the most important thing is that you like, lo- like, respect, and just admire almost the brand that you work for. That's that's where I think yeah. you'll get the most out of it. Uh-huh, and it's uh-huh. not always that easy. Sometimes a job's just you got to get a job. Um, a job is just a job, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I hope I hope those were interesting nuggets of of ad- not even advice, but just our path and um, once again I want to reiterate we are not preaching that we are a scheme or a mold to follow um, <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of our podcast this has just been a really candid episode hopefully you gain something from this um if you've got any suggestions of other topics similar to this we'll probably do one about pay Mm -hmm. and we'll probably do one about um 
like degree courses or something like that because I find that interesting. See you next week, guys. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.